Coming Up is a podcast brought to you by the dedicated and diverse volunteers at 3CR. Just a quick message before you get there. For the month of June, we're asking listeners to donate to the station to help us keep going. In 2023, we're asking our community to stay tuned, stay radical. We rely on the generous donations of community to survive. Go to 3cr.org.au slash donate and show your support for community-owned and community-run media. Thanks for your support and happy listening. Coach, we're ready to play. Thanks to Dinosaur. Prize, surprise. I love that Stay Tuned song. That must Beautiful. be an original by Carl, do you think? Sounded pretty bloody good. My name's John A. Tate and this is James Tate here for the Sporting Record. It's a father and son episode today. Yes, M. Collard is a late out due to a hectic work schedule. Can you believe it? Yes. Fighting for the legal rights of citizens around, the, around this city. I've been reading a book. Oh, hello. I'll just quickly mention this because um, it's called Best and Fairest Sports Parenting by Nathan Burke, and it's all about fathers and sons and sport and fathers and daughters and sport. Um, so I'm going to the launch of it on Wednesday, and I'll ask him if he wants to come on and talk about that. We could have a bit of fun about that. Oh, that'd be lovely. We've had our father-son moments in the sporting life. Yes, and it's not pretty a lot of the time, <laughs> as, as many many uh, parent-child relationships are, but we're, we're giving it a crack, aren't He's we? a very busy man, so he... He may not be able to come, but I'll try to get an interview at the very least with him. Fair enough. Now, before we uh, get started, the sporting record would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land from which we broadcast this program and on which much of our local sport is played. We also acknowledge the incredible contribution of First Nations athletes to Australia's sporting life. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. It's just past four o'clock here on 855 AM 3CR. This is the sporting record. We're going to talk about sports from a radical perspective. We've got a few things to talk about. I'll talk a bit about soccer later on. Ooh, the but world the, game. But the big news that everyone's talking about at the moment, James, is what? Is golf, of all things. Yeah. Golf. Golf. Have we ever talked about golf before? Yeah, maybe touched on a little bit. We're not big golfers, you and I, but we recognise it is an important sport to a lot of people. But golf is grabbing the headlines because some commentators are calling this one of the biggest sporting stories of the century. Which I think is a bit of an overstatement, but anyway, we'll we'll see. We'll get there. So what's happened is a traditional big organisation of golf is called the PGA. Um, and PGA's had a had a, had a good good uh, good hold on things in the golf world, but there's a new competition that started in 2021, backed by Saudi Arabia and their public uh, public PIF public investment fund. That's the one, <laughs> um, which is their sovereign wealth PIF, fund. Okay. And the general idea of why this new league started, the Live Golf Tournament, is that um, it was a competition to take eyeballs away from the PGA 
and to get a new competition in that could bring more dollars and ultimately is part of Saudi Arabia's incredible sports washing campaign. So we talk about sports washing a fair bit here on the Sporting Record. Yes, I've learnt a lot from you guys. Yes, and just as a brief definition, sports washing is simply the use of sport to distract from other things you are doing or general reputational repair. So the level of charge that Saudi Arabia has been um, going for is that the, they've, they've been using sport to distract from a lot of their human rights abuses. Can I ask one just small detail? Live Golf, is it L-I-V? Yes, capital... And what does it stand for? Dunno. Okay. Capital L-I-V, Live Golf. Okay, okay. So, Live Golf, as of two days ago, has officially merged with the PGA. So the big official golfing body of the world and this new upstart backed by Saudi Arabia have merged. This is something the PGA said they would never do. Did they take all the best players? Is that what the dispute was about? Yeah, so they, the Saudi Arabian-backed league, Live Golf, would pay hundreds of millions of dollars to some of the best golfers in the world. Who target, were well paid in the first place anyway. Well paid in the first place, but not that well paid. Okay. <laughs> so they poached a lot of the star players away from the PGA, and it became a, a massive split in the, in the golfing world. Um, so as of two days ago, they have merged. So what that means is... Saudi Arabia has used their incredible amount of wealth from fossil fuels and the sort to come in, disrupt a league, basically to get their brand backing the entire thing, which is probably the biggest example of sports washing we've ever seen. So, pretty big story, and it means in the sporting world, this is something that can be done by people with enough money to get their brand, their organisation, their country controlling an entire sport now when i this news broke everyone seemed to be saying oh it's a shock a shock announcement it's rocked the world of sport but to me it wasn't such a shock every time there's been a breakaway league of some sort cricket Mm. rugby they always come back together in the end because the two entities can't really exist side by side they have to come to some sort of revolution Mm. resolution so it didn't surprise. It wasn't a shock to me that they were going to somehow patch it up and merge. But I don't know. Perhaps I'm deluded there. Well, ironically, it, it, talks to merge were held over a uh, over lunch and a round of golf, as <laughs> as many capitalist deals are. But to me, this signifies a new stage in sports, um, in the invasion of sports by capitalism. It's a new frontier. Because wealth is coming in, taking over the sport, and forcing a lot of other people out. What do you think about that, John? Yes. See, I keep comparing it to the Packer thing, but it was the Packer thing was quite different, wasn't it? It was cricketers not being paid very well in the first place. Yeah. Um, and Packer concerned that his sports newspapers and TVs and stuff wasn't getting any of the action. It was all all held on tightly by the institution. So that's why he launched his, 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 his Rebel League. And so I suppose coming back together was a, not such a big thing. But this is quite different, isn't it? Yes, it's quite different because it was a, it's, a, it's almost what you call hostile, you know. It was, mm. it was deliberately a big, bold plan that worked perfectly, mind you, to get Saudi Arabia behind the biggest golf in the world. Some people are saying that they've taken over the game in one fell swoop. 
So on Saudi Arabia's style, side of things, um, they stress that this is a broader strategy to encourage sport in Saudi Arabia. So, th- for example, this is a country that's never won a gold medal at the Olympics, um, and it's part of their Vision 2030 plans. So as uh, Rumayan, one of the spokespersons of this deal, said, um, this is a quote, a huge percentage of our, Saudi Arabia's population, is under the age of 35. We have a lot of young people who are interested in sports and entertainment, and that's basically part of the offering. That's the reason why we would like to invest in sport in addition to financial returns. So this mm-hmm. is part of the broader strategy of diversifying the economy away from fossil fuels, which will run out yes. if not phased out completely. So that's, that's something. And the market will fa- run out anyway. Yes, Exactly. And it's part of that strategy. So they've been investing a lot in sport. Um, they like to flag that the number of female footballers in the country has gone up 80 per- 86% in the past few years. <laughs> 86% from what? From nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's essentially a big power play. And it opens up the rule book to anyone with a lot of money to barge your way in and take over a sports organization. So it's a, it's a, it's a, Pretty scary thing. Do they have golf courses in the desert there? Yes, they do. And is that where Live Golf was played? Or no, it was being played all everywhere. around the world. So it kind of mimicked the PGA in a way in that there was a tour that players would go on, play around the world. Some Donald Trump-owned golf courses as well. Oh. Um, just, a, just, a, just an aside, <clears throat> Donald Trump said this was a tremendous deal for Live. And if Donald Trump says that... You could probably go the other way and says if he says that, it's not a good deal. <laughs> well, he's got a uh, an agenda, hasn't he, if he owns some of the golf courses that they're playing on? Yes, he does. So we talk about the, the broader strategy of sports washing, um, as a lot of people are calling it, that um, Saudi Arabia is embarking on, and it's a pretty extensive list at this point. So I'll go through a few things that are going on. So... Um, Saudi Arabia has, in addition to this, two years ago bought Newcastle United in the English Premier League. Um, So they own that club now. Okay. Probably the biggest soccer league in the world. Yeah. There are rumours that Saudi Arabia is also going to start up a new cricket competition (laughs) in uh, in competition to things like the Indian Premier League or the International Mm. T20. Again, using millions and millions and millions of dollars to lure the best players in the world into their competition, taking over in that way. I'm using the words taking over, but, you know, competition, healthy competition, there's the neoliberal Good luck with that, because there's a lot of Indian money there. Yes, uh, in their local National Soccer League, they signed Cristiano Ronaldo to Mm. a multi-hundred million dollar deal to one of their local clubs, and they just signed Karin Benzema. Um, one of the best players, if not the best player in the world now, uh, former captain of Real Madrid. He just signed a deal yesterday to play at a local club there for about $200 million off the top of my head. You've got a quizzical big, look on big your Big fishes in a little pool there. Yes, but they're, they're using incredible wealth, fossil fuel wealth, you know, genocidal wealth, you could call it, yeah. from the fossil fuels, to fund all this. To and, and, you know, you think, oh, what's the harm? You know, they're pumping money into it, but... You know, you could use all that money for human rights reform. Well, you yes, know, yes. really, if you really wanted yes. to make the country go from a horrible reputation to something to be proud of, pump it into your own economy, pump it into your people, and human rights reform, and those sorts of things. 
scary day for sport, I reckon, John. Yes, yes. Well, that's right. So imagine if this happened with the AFL, right? Yeah, okay. You okay. know, something near and dear to the now hearts. Now you're talking of, my language, yes. Near and dear to the hearts of people in Melbourne. Um, and this is also something that's happened in rugby league, which I'll get to later. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's say a wealthy fund comes in and says, ah, AFL, they're, they're not letting us have our say here. We're going to start our own AFL league, call it Super AFL or something like that. <laughs> And they get some of the biggest players in the competition, let's say Dustin Martin, let's say Nick Dacos, a couple others. They start a bunch of new clubs. Here you go, here's the competition. And that would take away so much from the AFL's revenue, from their audience engagement, from the from the numbers of people who attend the game, the merchandise, all that. And it would damage the competition. And so it's that tr- typical capitalist technique of going into a town and say... We're going to buy your business, or if you don't let us, we're going to set up shop next door, mm. destroy your comp- business via competition, slash our prices, and then you'll go out of business. So what are you going to do? Typical, typical capitalist playbook, John. And of course, by taking the cream off the top, they're not really contributing to the, uh, you know, to the the juniors and the lower leagues and the building up of the, you know, uh, of the competition. No, no, contributing not nothing to the to local level, no, and, and it's all junior about, levels. It's all about the top, yeah, money, revenue, uh, reputational in- improvements. Um, so this is something that's happened in Australia before with the rugby league. You heard of the Super League war, John? Yeah, yeah. At the time, because we're down here in Victoria, it didn't take much notice of it, but I was aware of it happening. Yeah, so in the late 90s, uh, Rupert Murdoch, uh, the biggest media (laughs) mogul in the world, of course, uh, watched a documentary on him uh, recently. It was very Mm -hmm. eye-opening. He wanted the rights to Rugby League, and he wanted to put it on Fox Sports, which he is the owner of, well, well, owner, you know, in control of. Um, but Rugby League had signed a big deal with Channel 9 and there was no way they were getting the rights to it. So in a huff, Rupert Murdoch started his own Rugby League competition. He called it the Super League um, to play in competition with the Rugby League. And they did the same thing. They got a lot of the star players, paid them huge amounts of money, started a whole bunch of clubs. Did they make new teams or did they pinch old teams across? They, they pinched a couple old teams and started a couple new ones. Um, so, for example, you've got the Penrith Panthers now, you've got a few others, the Canterbury Bulldogs, those sorts of things. Um, and they played one season in 1997. Now, it was generally lauded as a failure, you know, in terms of crowd numbers, there were boycotts, there were all those sorts of things mm. because, you know, people are pretty... Passionate. Pretty passionate, pretty uh, pretty culturally tied to their teams and competitions. But at the end of all that, after spending about $500 million on it all, they decided to merge the leagues into what is now the Australian Rugby League competition. Mm. It's the exact same thing that's happened. Yep. And that's what money can do for you. And now, of course, the Rugby League is shown on both Channel 9 and Fox Sports. Ah, so it has see, been Rupert ever since. got what he wanted. Rupert got what he wanted. As did Packer with the cricket, got what he wanted in the end. Yes. So, I mean, I'm always very hesitant about money and sport. You know, you need money to run the thing. But all these big, big, big corporate dollars coming in, one could say it's corrupting the very integrity that sport's about. It's about community. It's about not playing for money, it's playing for the game, playing for the community. You know, we're all better for being involved. 
It's important to the culture. And when big money comes in, it can corrupt the whole thing. So there you go, John. How about that? Thank you for filling me in. Yes. So I, I, I muddled my way through a few golf things there, which I'm very proud <laughs> of myself. Um, on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about soccer, aren't we? Yes, please. And we've got a song. We've That's right. A song. So we might play that uh, to introduce the, the, the topic. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> See you on the other side. Oh, who's that from? My quick clock won't hurt. What time are you picking up, Kate? Oh, damn it. Saw you on your phone. Licence, please. Pick up your phone while you're driving and it's a $555 fine and four demerit points. Distracted drivers can be caught anywhere, anytime. A message from the TAC. Drive safely for everyone. A 3CR supporter. Trans Family is a not-for-profit organization providing a peer support group for loved ones including parents, siblings, extended family and friends of a trans and gender diverse person. Trans Family runs discussion groups in person and online. We offer a safe space to share your experiences, ask any questions regarding your situation and provide peer support. We are especially keen to hear from loved ones in regional and rural Victoria. Donations to Trans Family are tax deductible. For more information, visit transfamily.org.au or look for us on Facebook. Trans Family is a 3CR supporter. Tom Petty and, and the Heartbreakers, I think. I won't back down. It's a wonderful song, but why are we playing this, John? What's, well, what's going on? Because it is the pre-match song of the uh, Central Coast Mariners. Oh, hello! Now it always amuses me when we copy um, things from overseas. Yeah. So this whole pre-match song thing would have started with Liverpool Soccer Club, I guess. Yes, it did. Um, um, who always play the Jerry and the Pacemakers song, You'll Never Walk Alone, before a game. Yeah. And it's, uh, gee, I'd love to be there one day when they do it, because you've got 40,000 passionate English soccer guys and girls singing along. It must be incredible atmosphere. Oh, it'd be wonderful. It'd be fantastic. So anyway, we we've started doing this here. You know how we copy things like you know. I'd never seen teams walk out holding the hand of a little kid. You know, you know how we yeah, do that now. Yeah. You know, I don't know why we copy these things. But anyway, so this is one that it, it works for Port Adelaide. They do an in excess song, don't they? Uh, never tear us apart uh, at Port Adelaide Aussie Rules home games. 
And that's pretty good because they fill the stadium. They'll get 40,000 people there singing Never, Never Tear Us Apart. And that seems to work. But um, anyway, so I heard it uh, on Saturday night. I was watching TV and I was watching the footy and it wasn't very interesting, the Aussie rules. So I flicked around and it was the final of the A-League. Yes, yeah, the Between the, the big uh, game. Melbourne City, who yeah. I think were the favourites. And uh, and Central Coast Mariners, who were certainly the underdogs. Yeah, the big game that no one really knew about. But I found myself gripped. It was really? a really exciting game of soccer. It was fast, and it was furious, and uh, and the players had. There was a whole international thing. See, I was familiar with Melbourne City in a sense because they got a great young Australian guy called Marco Tilio. Yes. He's 21 and he's an up-and-comer and he's quite exciting. But the Mariners have a player called Marco Tulio, which totally confused me because I thought, what's going on? But he's from Brazil. And when you look through the Mariners team, uh, it's a real international side. Mm. They've got Jason Cummings, Aussie Jason, who was born in Scotland – but because he has a uh, a mother who is Australian, he's he now plays for for the Socceroos. Right. So he was playing for Mariners and uh, opened with the first goal. They got another great young player called Samuel Silvera, who is an Aussie, but uh, I think his father might be English, and he was born in the UK. Uh, they got a French guy. They got uh, two Brazilians. They got a guy from New Zealand, Storm Roo. Um, they've got a guy from Vanuatu. Brian Coltec. Good on you, Brian. Who ever thought of a Vanuatu soccer player representing uh, this team in Australia? But he was very good. Vanuatu's coming up. Yeah. So I was quite excited, and it turned out to be an extraordinary game, and uh, the underdogs won 6-1. So I just wanted to mention that because... And they were playing for the toilet seat, of course, the, the, the golden toilet seat. You know what I'm talking about there? Yep. That's the trophy. Beautiful. How good. <laughs> Which is the weirdest trophy of all. Okay, so I've mentioned all that. Uh, of course, they nearly had Usain Bolt play for them, the Mariners. Yes. Remember oh, that oh, when that he tried close. out with them? Yeah. yeah that was saying. amazing. <laughs> and that leads us into more soccer news about Ange Postacoglu, which has been all over the press. Some people have said this is the greatest uh, coaching achievement by an Australian, ever. It's pretty amazing, but he's got a big job ahead of him. Yeah, huge. Um, I, when I was 17, I thought I would like to follow an English soccer team. Right. In those days, it wasn't called the Premier League. It was just called Division One, I think. Mm. And I, I decided on Tottenham Hotspur. All my friends barracked for Liverpool or Manchester United. The big I, ones. I thought, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But I looked at the table, and Tottenham always seemed to be in the top six. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's good. They're a good team. I like their name. Mm. Their mascot is a, a rooster, a cockerel. And and why does that have importance to you? Well, my self-given nickname at the time was Rooster. Well, uh, Rooster. Yeah. There you go. If you're going to have a nickname, you might as well pick one yourself yeah. that you yeah. don't mind. So I started following Tottenham Hotspur. So in the next 46 years, they've never really won anything. Yeah. But they're always in the top six. Yeah. Right? They're always in the best six. But they never win. Well, they never win the championship. Oh, and that's the other thing I wanted to say. Um, <laughs> so in that league, and most soccer leagues, the Premier is the team that finishes on top. Yes, finishes they, first. They don't have finals like we do. No. But in the, in the A-League, Aussies seem to like finals. 
It's so, a big day. It's what so, you play for. So Melbourne City were the premiers because they finished top of the table. Yeah. But we also have a final series and we call it the champions. Yeah. So the Mariners are the champions. Mm. Anyway, so Tottenham Hotspur, they've won a couple of FA Cups, but they've never actually won the premiers yeah. in, in the whole time I've been barracking for them. 1961 was the last time they won it. Yeah. That's my lifetime. There you go. Uh, so that's Ange's challenge. Right. To take them from being one of the top six teams... They finished eighth this year, which for them is absolute disaster. Yeah. Um, and that's his challenge. What do you reckon? How do you reckon it go? Um, well, if they give him a chance, like it's a four-year contract, but how many soccer coaches last four years? Not many. Mm. So if they give him the full four years, he might actually make some ground. Who knows? It's, um, it's quite a wonderful story because this is a, a kid who – whose family moved when he was five years old from Greece to Australia mm. to escape conflict, mm. right? So he's an immigrant to this country, yeah. moved to Melbourne, worked his way up in the soccer world. So he played for South Melbourne. For South Melbourne Hellas, which is a Greek club at the time. Greek club, great history. Played for them for a long time. Eventually got into coaching. And he's coached in Australia and around the world. So he's coached the Brisbane Raw to tremendous glory. Coached in the Greek third division and the Greek first division in Japan all over. Um, Japan preceded his uh, stint at Celtic in Scotland. Mm -hmm. One of the. He was ridiculed when he was appointed. He was ridiculed. People go, what's this Australian doing here? He's not going to do anything. He's won. He's won the treble, which is the three big titles in Scotland, and he's won the the league t- two years in a row, right? So he's he's doubt- he proved all the doubters wrong, right? This this, this sort of Greek Australian guy, <laughs> um, and now he's been appointed to the English That's Premier right. League, to one of the big six, the That's big right. six clubs. No, it's not the only Aussie doing well in the coaching field. Uh, I, I can think of Sandy Brondello, coaching in New York, uh, in in the basketball, in the WNBA, which is, which is a big big deal. Uh, there's probably her. others, but we'll have to uh, have to do research and see what other Aussie coaches are doing well overseas. Yes, it's something the sporting record likes to do. When a big story like this pops up in the mainstream media and you go, oh, Ange Postacoglu, how good? You know, the question always comes up, well, who else is there, you know, mm. that doesn't make it into the mainstream? So there you go. How good? I just want to say quickly on the theme songs. So most of the other soccer teams also do the same thing now. Everyone yeah. tries it. You know, someone does Back in Black, someone does You're the Voice by John Farnham, and uh, uh, Western United sings Sweet Caroline. But I don't think it works because they don't get huge crowds singing along. But anyway, it's a good idea, I suppose. Good yeah. luck to them. Just on the singing, do you know why <laughs> Liverpool started started doing it? Um, yes, because Jerry and the Pacemakers were a Liverpool band. Yes. Merseyside. Um, and uh, he was sort of involved a little bit with the club. Mm. And he told the manager at the time, oh, I'm releasing this new song. And I think they used to play some songs before the game, but this one caught on and the people started singing along with it. That's half the story. Okay, what's the other half? it started off that way, but the song took on a much deeper and more tragic meaning after the Hillsborough disaster of 1989, where a human crush at the stadium happened um, in Sheffield. Injured hundreds of people, and 96 fans lost their life. That's right. So the the day immediately after that, it was a big vigil in Liverpool, to remember everybody, and a lone choir boy sung that song to about 20,000 people. 
Wow, what a moment. And that song then took on a whole new meaning after that. And it, it the was, police tried to blame the fans for the crush. Oh. But uh, eventually it's been determined many, many years later that really a lot of mistakes were made by the police mm. in their crowd management. Isn't that always the way? I with know. Hey, listen, we're coming to the end, but next week is our Radiothon special Ooh, show. Ooh, the big one. So we're into June, which is Radiothon anyway. Uh, we're novices at this uh, at this business, but we'll, we'll do our best to promote it. We're, we're working our way up from the rookie ranks into the big league. That's right. So we need our sporting record listeners, if you love our show, and if you've come on board because of us, to uh, give us a call. Uh, anytime during June, next week it'd be good, um, and you know, pledge some money towards keeping this show and all of 3CR on air. Because mm. it's not free. We've had a free ride up to now, you and me and M. Yep. But we need to actually pay our way. Yes, so call up 3CR, and if you want to donate, say the sporting record, and they'll sort you out, the wonderful people here doing great work. And we appreciate all you out there listening to us, you know, ramble on about sports and political issues in sports. Our business subscriber, Melbourne Books, has uh, given us some books that people can buy. Yes. Uh, and that money will all go to 3CR and our, and our campaign. Mm. Some of those books are here. If you're in Fitzroy and you drop in, you can have a look at them. They're sports books and music books and books about Melbourne. Wonderful They're publisher. brand new. They're not secondhand. They're brand new. Brand spagging new. They've got that new book smell. Yeah. We've also got some of those books up at uh, Lost and Found Vintage Market. Yes, ask for stall seven and That's they'll right. direct you where they, they are. are. There you go. So there you go. But next week we'll devote the whole program to Radiothon. Yes, the big thong, Radiothon. So there you go. Hey, can I ask one more thing? Yeah. Uh, there's an article about us in the in the in the. Cram magazine that's just yes, come out for Radiothon, and I'd like to thank who the girl who wrote that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher her name. I'm sorry, um, Asaquin Sanif, yeah. who did a fantastic job making us look great. We sounded very good from her words. So thank you very much for that Cram article. Thank you everyone for listening at home. We'll be back with you next week. Have a good one. Enjoy sport. Have fun. Have a coffee. You know, do all that good stuff. Catch you later. Stay tuned in. Radio.